Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. He destroyed Adam and Eve's home before the boys were born. How? Their personal relationship with God. Selfishness came in. Eve did her thing. Adam did his thing. Rebellion caused them to be kicked out of the garden. So the foundation was already shaken by Satan because Satan knew that home, that foundation could change the world. And he was after it. He loves to steal and destroy. And he did it. You don't need to conduct a study to prove that the decline of the family unit through divorce, cohabitation, and homosexual lifestyle has taken a negative toll on culture. Thread by thread, Satan has unraveled the fabric of society and has at last conquered the final frontier, marriage. It's time we allow God back into our home so we can mend and strengthen the framework of our family's foundations. Listen in to hear Pastor Mark's keen insight as he exposes potential threats and shares positive steps that teach and model the biblical way to live life right. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Genesis, chapter 24, verse 2, with our continuing study entitled, Biblical Blueprint of Marriage. Many a family has been changed because of a praying spouse God brings him. Now let me just address this quickly. If you're in that relationship and there's abuse and beating and all kinds of stuff, don't let anybody tell you God wants you there. God doesn't want you to be physically abused. You separate yourself from there. You call the police. You call this office. We have plenty of policemen here. You get yourself to a safe place. Then we'll work on it later. So amazing things I hear on radio from pastors saying, stay in there, keep getting beat up. It's okay because God will give you strength. That's foolishness. You get out, take your kids, find safety. We'll help and we'll pray for the husband or the wife. It goes both ways today. So if you have a spouse that isn't believing, that doesn't mean that you can't find some success. Certainly you find more success if both are believers and after God's heart. But you stay right there. Number three, look to verse 24 in chapter 2. Marriage begins with leaving. That sounds strange, but that's what happens. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. Leaving just means this. All other relationships take on lesser importance. That includes our relationship with our parents, old friends, even eventually with our children. That is a principle that happens. Soon when you have children, they will leave. You need to let them form their own unit. 
they won't abandon you. They'll be with you, but they need to leave just as you needed to leave your parents. That is a process. In fact, even was mentioned this weekend. Some of you weren't here, so I emphasize it again. When we go through our four months of premarital counseling, this is one chapter we talk about. This is one area that always seems to be a problem. You have to leave. You have to cut those emotional ties. There's a new unit. It's the husband and the wife and God. That's the new unit. Number four, marriage continues with cleaving. Cleave means, notice in there, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife. That united or cleaving in one of the New King James or whatever means to, to bond together, to glue. If you write in your Bible just by that verse, write super glue. That's what it means. It means determined action. We hold on to because we choose to. It's not passive. We're holding on because God has said we are to make this commitment one to another of permanent love and faithfulness between a husband and wife. And, and let me just share this with you. I don't have time to go into a lot of it, but I want to remind you. Next week, I'll mention a couple things. Let's take these two pieces of paper tonight. Let's say I put some glue on them and I put them together. And we waited a few moments and it was super glue. How am I going to separate these? Well, we'll just pull apart and they'll neatly come apart. Is that right? No, they don't neatly come apart. There's no way to make it neatly come apart. And I'm going to read a poem to you next week from a teenager who was in a home. And this is not to put guilt on you, but this was for those of you that are contemplating leaving. You see, the world says today, oh, you can leave. It's no big deal. Kids are fine. They do fine. They don't do fine. And neither do you. Because it was never God's plan. God today still hates divorce. It's not the unpardonable sin, but he hates divorce. So when that tears, that rips, that shreds, you can't put it back together. It hurts. So God says, I want you to leave, and then I want you to cleave. And the cleaving is face-to-face. -face. It's a relationship. It's a bond. Number five, marriage involves oneness. Oneness means that when we're glued together by God, notice, be united, and they will become one flesh. Only God can do that. Only God can. You know, we do many marriages, but only God puts people together. We do the ceremony and the teaching and all that, but God does it. It's a supernatural thing that God does. When we're glued together by God, we come into this interdependent relationship. We're a team. It's companionship. Let me talk to you about two areas of companionship. I'll give you about four more areas next week. Spiritual companionship. Let me challenge you. How often do you pray with your spouse? You see, there's a companionship together. And as I mentioned this, it's challenging for all of us. Sometimes you will find this in your life. The hardest person to pray with is your spouse. Amazing, isn't it? But challenge you tonight, if you're not praying with your spouse, do it. That spiritual companionship, working together, what a, what a blessing it is as we go to God in prayer and, and we share those things. Even the homework I'm going to give you tonight when you leave. Every time I do these little series on marriage, about once a year for two or three weeks, you get homework. You know that. So you're going to have homework as you leave tonight. Well, when are you going to do it? You do it together. You sit down and you look face to face and you do some homework. Next recreational companionship. You see, 
You remember when you first dated? Those of you who've been married a little while, you know, a little while. What it was like, the excitement, the joy, the, the fun, the, the fun, the fun, the fun, the fun, the fun. How long has it been? One of the things you'll see that destroys our marriages is boredom. We just do the same old, do something different. Expand. You say, well, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. No, I don't. Do it anyway. I'm serious. This week, when you get ready to do your homework assignment, go somewhere different. Sit down and do your homework. Just somewhere you normally never are. Just do something different. Husband, you're the spiritual leader. You got the car keys. Do something different. If you're stuck in the mud, then wife, prod them. You do it. Do something different. Have some freshness that comes to our marriage. So there's companionship that needs to be involved in this. Number six, Genesis 2.25. Marriage involves intimacy. I'm not going to spend much time on this because I'm going to do a whole thing on it next week as we go verse by verse through chapter 5 of Proverbs. The man and his wife were both naked, or if you're from Georgia, naked. And they felt no shame. Same thing, no clothes. Notice, and they felt no shame. In marriage, there is spiritual intimacy, relational intimacy. We talked about that also today, friends for life, and sexual intimacy. Now, you have a man and a woman together. God created them. Now what? Turn to 128, Genesis 128. What's next? What's on the horizon? What could God possibly want with his husband and wife? And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. I think there's two things, two more purposes in that verse that God wants. Let's, let's just go back for a moment. We have a man in relationship with God. We have a woman in relationship with God. We have a man and a woman in relationship to each other, leaving, cleaving, oneness, intimacy, enjoying that relationship. So you go back to the garden, you have a man and a woman and God. So God says, I created you so that you could worship me and we could be in fellowship together. I want more of you. I've created you with drives in your bodies and your minds and all the physical apparatus needed to do what I'm going to command you to do. I want you to get together enjoy that nakedness, and through that bonding, produce more children. But I want to hit one thing first. I think there's one other thing that was there. Take a look at it again. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. To serve Christ together with our individual gifts. God wanted Adam and Eve... We'll get to the part about the kids in a moment. But he wanted them to serve together. 
to take care of the animals and, and the fish and the birds. And later he says, I want you to till and I want you to plant and I want you to replenish the earth. It's a joy to work together, to make a difference. One of the things that I think we sometimes lack as Christians is if, you, if you're married tonight, and again, in a moment, we'll get to those of you that aren't married so that you can see what you're going to look for in a godly spouse. But what a joy it is to work together with your spouse to serve God together, doing lots of things. Now, the first question comes to mind, well, Pastor Mark, my gifts are here and my wife's gifts are over here, whatever. You can still do some things together. You certainly can pray each other. If the wife needs to go out on a certain night and, and her gift is maybe uh, a teaching or whatever, and you can stay home and what? Lots of kids, do the dishes, wax the floors. Shall I go on, ladies? Yeah. And, and vice versa. Yeah, you can work together. Do you remember Priscilla and Aquila? Acts 18. Kind of looked through their life this week. They got kicked out of an area. They moved. They met up with Paul. They worked together making tents. Then they opened their home. And people would come in and they'd share the gospel. Later, another man came through. He didn't really have it all right. He came in their home and they shared together. Later, we see them in Ephesus. You see them in the end of 1 Corinthians. And they're always serving together, open house, having a great time, just serving God as a unit. What a great picture to the world. Let me ask you, Christian, do you love serving with your wife? Find a way to serve. Guys, as a team, husband and wife, look for some things to do together, to serve together, to pray together, to invite couples over to your house together. Show that you are together. I think it's a great thing. Adam and Eve were charged to do that. He didn't say, Adam, you do this and Eve do that. Together, you take authority over that. And God will bless you. Now, we know the next thing is, notice, not only are we to do that, but here, here's a great image. We're to model a Christ-centered marriage and family to a world that doesn't get it. The home is to be a picture of what Christ is. This unity, this intimacy is to, to be together to show the world what it means to have God as our head. Turn to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. We see some obedience by men sometimes. In this particular case, Adam and Eve did obey. And Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, let's just picture, we have Adam, you follow me? We have Eve, and we have the two boys. What are the responsibilities for Adam and Eve concerning the two boys they've just brought into the world? What are their responsibilities? Nurture them, feed them, teach them. Teach them what? Only about God? What university would they go to at this point? Hard knocks. You got it, Jack. God was speaking here in the second row again. <laughs> See, there was no government. There was no school. You know what? There was no church. There's Adam and Eve. And two boys. What they were to do was to teach them everything about life. 
not only from their words, but from their example. That is God's foundational plan that has also never changed. Never changed. That means that the home was the foundation of all society. But we know that Satan is out to destroy the home. By the way, did he destroy Adam and Eve's home? He destroyed Adam and Eve's home before the boys were born. How? Their personal relationship with God. Selfishness came in. Eve did her thing. Adam did his thing. Rebellion caused them to be kicked out of the garden. So the foundation was already shaken by Satan because Satan knew that home, that foundation could change the world. And he was after it. He loves to steal and destroy. And he did it. So now the boys are born. Anything happen in the home? We have the first murder. We have the very same kind of thing going on. So not only is he there attacking that relationship, but he's attacking the home with the boys. I want you to see this triangle. This is what it looks like in our homes today. You see, the wife has a closer relationship to God in this particular case than the husband. The husband, his relationship is going the other direction. The wife is going toward God. You can reverse it. That's true in this building tonight. There's some of you wives that are crying because when you see that, that's exactly what your own's like. You're with a guy who used to love God. He put God first. He was full on, but the cares of this world, power, possessions, pride, whatever, has removed him, his eyes are in another area. Or reversed. Some of you guys have a wife that used to be full on for God. Isn't it amazing today in our homes, in the divorces that we see today, you would have never seen this 15, 20 years ago, where the woman gives up the kids. You'd never see it today. It's pretty commonplace. Why? Because she's going to do her thing. I want to say to you tonight, if this is the marriage that you're in, if you're the one that's going the wrong direction, that's why you're here tonight. That's why you're here, because God's speaking to your heart right now. Get back to that balance. Get back to your full-on heart after God. Soften your heart tonight. Now, with this, there's another disaster. Not only the spiritual part in the home, but let me read you a story tonight. True story. I'm 19, and I've been dating a guy for a year and a half. He was married once, and he has a daughter. We decided to get married, but because my parents didn't approve, that caused a problem in our relationship. Then two months ago, we decided to have a sexual relationship. Since that time, he's been very different. I found out that he was having an affair at work. I confronted him. He apologized and promised never to do it again. That was a few weeks ago after that. I heard he was now again seeing his ex-wife. I want to know what I should do. I feel like he just wanted my virginity. And now... He has never any time for me. 
Now, some of us that are adults look at that and say, 19, what is wrong with you? You can almost kind of make fun of it. This is a hurting woman who is totally confused about life. Now, how did that happen? How does this happen? How does anything like this happen? Here's how. Happens in the home. The blueprint for marriage given to us by God, she's never seen. I don't know who her parents are, but I'm going to say some things that I think probably fit. She could be a home with a single parent or both. But evidently, from what we see here, they have no biblical principles. Is that uncommon in the United States today? No. Also, maybe even at a younger age, there was sexual abuse in the home. We have MTV. We have movies. We have music. We have books. We have drugs. We have alcohol. We have living together, premarital sex, homosexuality, lesbian relationships. You name it, we have it before marriage. These kids, these children being raised in that home. Why? Because of one reason. Satan is out to destroy the home. And you say, well, that's probably an isolated case. That is not an isolated case. And if it's your daughter, you're hurting. Because that young lady is being taken advantage of by a creep. Why did it happen? Because somehow the plans, the principles that I just went through with you, the, the, the six principles already that I went through with you, are not in that home. So, through her ages, as she's raised up, she doesn't know how to respond. She doesn't know that the Bible says anything. She has no clue about those things. She's honestly seeking for love. The only way she knows is the way the world tells her today. From MTV to the TV to the whatever. That's the norm today, guys. This is not the exception. This is the norm. And it breaks the heart of her heavenly father. And it's all around us. We have a great challenge ahead of us. Now, I want to show you some statistics to show you how that's happened in our lives. When you see that destruction in the home, 23.5% of all U.S. households are today traditional families. Married couples with children. Less than one quarter of the homes in the United States. Are we in trouble? We're in trouble. From 1990 to 2000, the number of cohabitating couples living together increased by 72%. Single father households in that same time were up 62%. Single mother homes were up 25%. Wow, what a well-timed message on marriage. We are learning, or relearning in some cases, that God wants us to serve Him together. He designed each one of us different for a reason, and it wasn't to promote individuality. God wants us to model a Christ-centered marriage and family, and it takes a lot of hard work. It's a well-planned joint effort on our part and will only fulfill His purpose when we include Him. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll take a look at some biblical-based qualities that define godly husbands and wives. For those in the market for a mate, these will be important virtues the future Mr. or Mrs. should possess. Scripture is full of wisdom to help guide and protect, and whether you're married, single, or divorced, you should evaluate yourself in the light of God's Word. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world A new hope he is given